Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone, and welcome to another session or episode of Cash Talk Property. And once again, I'm joined by Gianni Musumeci. Gianni, how are you today, mate? Great. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, That's it, mate. That's it. Now, today we're going to be talking about a really interesting, topical, powerful thing, which is using your equity to buy another property. And from my perspective, it's, it's one of the things that we discuss a lot, which is when is the right time to kind of do this? When is it applicable? When should you be doing it? So, and, and so forth. And I know you've been in the property game for a long time. So Gianni, um, this is something that you see as well too in a lot of conversation around this, don't you? Yeah, John. So look, one of the biggest things I find is people don't actually realize the, the potential that they have in their property. Um, so a lot of people that are owner occupiers, they'll be plugging away at their mortgage, they'll pay it down and they've probably owned their property for five or 10 years and they don't sort of realize that, that there's a large percentage of, of equity, which is the actual difference between the value of the property and the, and the mortgage um, that, that they can actually tap into to purchase a, a, a subsequent investment property. Mm-hmm. And, and so what we're talking about when we talk about equity, just to reiterate what Gianni's saying, we're talking about the value of the house or the, or the property and then the debt that you've got, if you've got debt, and that difference in between the value and the, the um, debt, that is the equity, okay? Now, the thing is, is that a lot of people who, that are in the wealth game know that, the, that you can tap into that equity to then propel you to buy more investments. And these investments are being used so that you can create a passive income stream. Now, most of the people's equity usually sits in the home that they're living in. Now, as we know, the house that you live in does not create a passive income stream for you. So being able to utilize this and tap into this can be a powerful tool. Yeah, that's right. It it can be very powerful, but uh, you need to sort of just ensure that um, that amount that you borrow against your property, that equity that you use is used effectively. Um, And it's all about choosing the right sort of investment asset. Um, mm-hmm. So you want your your first investment property, your first property after your principal place of residence, really needs to be able to propel you forward to help you purchase subsequent properties. Yeah, correct, correct. And also, the thing is as well too is that you need to be mindful on how much you're actually borrowing against that, and then what the the tips and traps are of doing that. And that's what we're here today to talk a little bit about as well too. Now, when we're talking about this, um, Gianni, let's talk about loan to value ratios. So when we're talking about borrowing and using that equity, the first thing that we need to be mindful of is that you can't just borrow 100% of that equity. The bank will essentially not let that to be done. And in the past, that used to be the case, but not in 2022. So essentially, you've got an amount that you are able to do so. And usually, that is up to 80% without paying what we call lender's mortgage insurance. Lender's mortgage insurance is insurance actually not for you. It's actually the insurance that you pay to the lender who then uses an insurer to take this on for the extra risk that's involved because of the high 
loan to value ratios. Now, when you're getting into working with someone like myself, usually we would not even need to be nowhere near that territory to engage in one of those exercises where we are taking out that equity to purchase something else. And we would like to see LVRs roughly around the 60 to 70% range to be able to prepare that moving forward. Now, people might say that, John, that is quite conservative, but I know Gianni, we've talked before, and it is not out of the out of the question to be talking around 60 to 70% um, to be doing this. No, yeah, 60 to 70% is, is conservative. And uh, look, I, I feel that it's a sort of comfortable range as a general rule of thumb to aim for. When you're sort of thinking about, oh, how much should I borrow? Uh, how much is too aggressive? Uh, how much is too sort of moderate or conservative? I, I think that, you know, people should aim for that 60 to 70% bandwidth um, because mm. then uh, you, you know how you have that level of comfort as well to sort of say, well, if I need to borrow a little bit more for whatever reason, I have that capacity. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think the other thing is as well too, is remember that we're using leverage to be able to purchase. So whenever we're using leverage, as much as it's a powerful tool because it enables you to buy these investments that are going to give you that passive income stream, there's risks that are involved. So to mitigate those risks, we need to be making sure that you've got good cash flows. You need to be making sure that one, through the property that you're purchasing, that there's good cash flows out of that property. Two, that you've actually got good cash flows in itself if the property doesn't actually work out the way you want to. And three, that you've got good buffers in place as well too. So you wouldn't want to be doing this if you're, you know, got no money left in the tank in, in savings or in your offset account or whatever that is. You want to be making sure that you've got a buffer just in case things happen. You never know. There might be a air conditioning that needs to be done or you might lose your job or you might, whatever. We need to be making sure that we've got this, these buffers in play to be able to do that. And if we do tick those boxes, it does become quite powerful because that equity that you've got, it's not your sa like it's not your savings. Like think about it, you might have $100,000 of accessible equity to be able to use to propel you to buy that next property. How long is it actually going to take you to save $100,000? Yeah, that's right. So whatever investment property that you purchase, you need to sort of be aware of, uh, number one, your personal cash flow as well. So you need to be able to service the debt that you're taking out against your property. And then number two, you've got to consider the investment property's cash flow as well. So a lot of people sort of think, oh, you know, um, you know, I'll just buy any old property and I'll negative gear it. Um, mm -hmm. Negative gearing might be a relevant strategy for you, but you, you really need to consider, um, you know, the rental property growth or the cash flow growth because you don't want it this investment property to be a burden to you forever. You don't want to have to continually be forking out of your own pocket to cover the cost of uh, loan servicing. And, and Gianni, in the current market in December 2022, um, are we finding that a lot of properties are at least neutral geared or po positively geared, or are we finding them more hitting into the negative gearing scenario? Like scenario? What's, what's happening in the current market? Yeah, look, more often than not, because interest rates are a lot higher, you like your typical variable are, are, is around 5% sort of give or take, uh, probably soon to be five and a quarter. Um, so what you're sort of finding is it's more difficult than not to find something that will have a, uh, a neutral tax gearing or even a cash flow neutral. Cash flow neutral would, pre would be even more uh, difficult because... Uh, especially if you're paying P&I, uh, principal and interest loan repayments as well. So you really got to look for those growth spots. Now, there are a number of areas where 
you know, uh, they're facing a vacancy shortage. There's a real vacancy emergency. And um, that is sort of driving up rents as well. But you've also got to look at the long term rather than at the short term as well. So is there sort of uh, cash flow growth in that area now and into the future? And so when we're when we're looking at equity in, in these places, can we say that it's a pretty, uh, well, it may not be common for everyone, but to, to, to use this equity strategy, you're probably wanting to be selecting properties that have good capital growth. But if you're looking to then get the sec like the second property, it's then really dependent on your cash flow position to see what that selection's got to be for that next property. Is it going to be a income driven decision or is it going to be a capital driven decision? Is that kind of the way that you see this playing out? Yeah, so look, your first property after your sort of principal place of residence, your owner-occupied, the, the idea is for you to use your owner-occupied as a deposit, essentially, for that investment property. But then you want to release yourself of the burden. You want to release your owner-occupied property from the burden of uh, being a security for that property. So you've borrowed against your owner-occupied property to buy your first investment property. You need mm -hmm. to sort of get that first investment property off your owner-occupied property. Mm -hmm. Once you've done that, you can then look at using the equity from your first investment property to propel you into a second, third, fourth. And the better and better you get at it, the more sort of um, rental growth you achieve, the more sort of capital growth you achieve, the more properties that you'll be able to buy at a quicker frequency as well. So you might be buying, you know, if you're doing well, you might be buying one every 18 to 24 months but then you might be buying one every 12 months as you start to accumulate property. And that's the sort of idea that your first uh, investment property propels you into future investment property. Mm. And it's, it's, it's interesting because people might be sitting there going like, should I go down the good cash flow side or should I go down the capital side? And in most cases, just for everyone to know, usually good capital producing product properties don't have the best income, yeah? good income don't necessarily have the good capital. And I'm just using this stereotypically and Gianni, please kind of jump in and if your observations are different, but this is why your individual situation, sorry, I'm a bit sick at the moment, but um, yeah. this is why your individual situation is so important because if, you, if you've got good surplus cash flow, you've got good, good incomes, you may not want that extra income mm -hmm. because you might be getting taxed more just by having that extra income and you'd rather have the capital growth because the capital growth is not taxed unless you sell it. So the first one is around using the equity like Gianni said to get to the next one. But even that next one, it's like, okay, well, what do I actually want it for? What's the purpose? Because this using this equity to purchase a property, like Gianni said, you can repeat this. Yeah, it's not about doing it once and never doing it again. It's about repeating that and going okay. again and going again. Now, loan to value ratios are very important because I have seen this go completely wrong, Gianni, as well. Yeah, I've seen in the past people borrow 90% LVR, do it, get some equity, 90% LVR, do it again. Like loan to value ratio, 90%, do it again, do it again, do it again. We've had a market correction, say 10 to 15%. The reality is, is that you you own you owe more to the bank than you've actually got in real assets yourself. So the 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 loan to value ratios, like we discussed at the start, are very very important, and the selections of those property 
are very important as well because yes, the cash flows might be good, but really all you're doing is paying back the debt. And that's not the aim of the game here. The aim of the game is to build up equity and get positive cash flows to put you in a position so that you can be financially free at some point and not shackled to having to work. Yeah, this is what worried me a, a little bit a, a, a short while ago, especially with first-home buyers. Is that there were a few schemes around the nation around first-home buyers getting in at either 5% or even in some cases 2% deposit um, without having to pay lenders mortgage insurance. The only thing was, like, my biggest concern was uh, if we're in a market correction like we are now, that it might not hamper your ability to repay that loan because that's your your loan servicing is calculated based on your ability to pay back that loan but it may hamper you from purchasing future and subsequent properties so using your example if we if we you, you have a sort of high lvr 90 for some of those other first time buyers 95 etc um that might hamper them from purchasing subsequent property because now they're stuck with a debt at x amount and they'll be unable to sort of release any equity because uh, the market's had a bit of a correction. Exactly. And the other thing is, is Gianni, I think that when it comes to using equity to purchase, so people sometimes get a little bit of ants in their pants, wanting to do it quicker, wanting to do it, you know, faster. The reality is, is that things take time and, and patience need to be had. You know, if you bought a property, say, in the last 12 months, you're probably not in a position to be able to release equity. Yeah? Yeah. So... You need to be able to, to, to get yourself into that position. Now, the other side of this coin, um, Gianni, is how can I actually get equity in my home? Like, that's the other thing. Like, what, 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 are, what are some possible ways to get equity in there? And what we're talking about here is property, property, what are property's greatest assets or greatest tools is the ability to manufacture wealth, okay? And I know personally I use this, this house that I live in, this is a, a renovation slash extension, yeah? Um, so what about the people like that who maybe go, I don't have much equity. Can we build equity through manufacturing wealth? Yeah, so there's, there's a number of people that have been able to do this and, and they've done it successfully. So they, they sort of work in uh, what I'd say the market's favor where they, they go out and they look at undervalued property um, mm -hmm. and they'd see if they can improve them because... Potentially, if if somebody has some trade skill or they have uh, access to trades um, or they're relatively handy with themselves, they can sort of manufacture property, uh, sorry, manufacture equity by uh, adding value to property. They might add an extra bedroom. They might redo a bathroom and a kitchen. Um, mm -hmm. they, they might even add a granny flat or something like mm -hmm. that to, to increase the cash flow potential of mm -hmm. a pr property. So there's, there's a number of ways to sort of manufacture both equity and cash flow out of a, a property that... Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to wait for time in the market. You can be a little bit quicker in terms of how you manufacture that growth. So if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, you know, I don't have any equity. It's going to take me a long time to do it. Well, then there are options that are available for you to be able to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. Everyone's personal situation is different. You've got to seek professional advice to be able to kind of work, work your way through this. But I still remember like once I finished doing the extension, like the value of my house kind of skyrocketed. And I was always taught and, you know, maybe taught wrong, Gianni, from the old logs that I learned from. You buy the crappest house in the best street and then you try and manufacture the wealth that way, okay, because it's the land that's appreciating in value. And I haven't been proved otherwise in regards to that, um, but there is a hassle when it comes to doing that as well, Suze, which I appreciate. It's not one of those ones where you just walk in and, you know, 
voila, I'm going to get this equity in there. But there are some other ways to create. Uh, well, there are some other ways to create equity and renovations, subdivisions. You know, all of that stuff is, is being done. But also in the current climate, construction costs are going out of control, and a lot of people that have gone down this path have really come with an eye opener where they've gone to overcapitalize in these areas. And Gianni, I'm sure you've seen this probably even more than I have. Yeah, this overcapitalization where they've gone in thinking that they're going to spend a hundred grand, walk out spending five hundred grand. Um, because their eyes have got the better of them and they want the latest tapware and kind of everything. You've really got to look at this. If you're going through an investment decision, you're really trying to look just for bang for buck, aren't you? Yeah. Look, with building costs increasing and, and the cost of supply increasing, I, I think I saw a statistic around um, building supply material and costs have increased about 25%. So where you did budget sort of 100000 like it's it's more likely going to cost you one hundred and twenty five thousand, and if you haven't got that sort of money, then that's your that's your plans down the drain. You you got to think of alternates. So in that case, the alternate might be either to leave it as it is or to sell it and hopefully recoup your money. Now we sort of know that in this climate, it's unlikely that you'll get your money back. You're more likely to lose five or ten percent plus closing costs as well. Mm -hmm. um, so you really got to look at okay, well, do I hold on to this? Do I rent it out as is? or and you know potentially look to renovate in the future when when i do have the money or when costs are a little bit lower yeah yeah great great tips great tips now gianni we're talking about obviously equity to buy the next place one thing that i i get asked is around like like and you might be a little bit biased on this is like when is enough enough like, I still remember this lady, she came to me about maybe eight, nine years ago, and she walked in with a folder of her property portfolio. And it was, I kid you not, it was thick as a thousand page book. And she actually came to me as a financial advisor because she was, she was shocked with the amount of her land tax bill. And I remember counting the properties. And she had about 60 properties at that point, Gianni. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy. Like, what's your view on that? I've got obviously my view, which I'll share. Yeah. But what's your view on that? Look, I think we might be similar. Like, I'm a very goal-oriented person. Mm -hmm. So if your goal is to replace your income, once you've sort of achieved that goal, then, you know, you can sort of consider new goals or mm. uh, look to see something else. But for, for me, my goal or my first goal was to always replace my rental expenses. Mm -hmm. So my, my rent. And, and that's the reason why I became a rent investor is to build a portfolio mm. that would eventually pay for my rent. Mm -hmm. My next goal is to now cover my living expenses. So once I've reached that goal, I'll come up with a new strategy. But, but to sort of answer your question, property isn't always the answer. Um, what what we're looking for is sort of goal-orientated decisions and data-driven decisions. If property is the answer in terms of building a passive income to cover rent, living expenses, et cetera, then mm -hmm. so be it. But, you know, sort of make uh, data-driven decisions. Um, and we sort of use, uh, I, I sort of use a, an acronym called SMART, make your goals SMART. Make mm -hmm. sure they're specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-constrained. Mm -hmm. So you know, where property is relevant, we, we sort of want to make it aligned to a goal. Yeah, and spot on. We're singing off the same song sheet. And the the reality is, is that even for this lady, she had nothing else. She was all in property, yeah? And everyone needs to remember that this is a particular asset class. There's a lot of different asset classes and, 
yes, you can diversify in property itself, different locations, different types, all of that stuff. But always to be remembering, we're trying to build a net worth and there's other assets that are that you can use on this. Now, what is also really good is that you can use your equity in your properties to not just buy another property. You can use equity in your property to go buy a share portfolio. Yeah, that's also going to be able to kind of generate your passive income as well too. So you need to figure out what's right and what's the goal and what's the purpose as well too. Okay, and don't get me wrong, property is really good and actually in the com com in the combination of stocks and property, they work really well. If you look at the Forbes top 100, you'll see that they've always usually got a combo. Okay, and the combo is of property and stocks. Okay, it's not usually just one. Okay. Except I think Elon Musk lately, mate. I don't know. I think he sold all of his property, which anyway, each to their own. But the reason is, is because property has a real two really good things going for it. One, manufacture wealth. Okay. You can you can manufacture the wealth through doing the renovations, doing things like that, subdivisions, whatnot, and you can leverage really good around it. Okay. So understanding <laughs> the tool, but also understanding the risks that's associated with it. And understanding when you're ready to do that. Now, we gave you some tips in regards to when you think you're ready. One of the ones are making sure you've got good cash flows. Okay, Property, especially with leverage or debt, you need to be able to repay that debt. So it's not just about you buying the property. It's all going to be kosher and whatnot. The reality is, like Gianni will tell you, he's seen it many times before. Yes, someone's going to call you up because the aircon's gone. Someone's going to call you up because there's something. Yes, that's going to happen. So you can't predict, but you can prepare and prepare for those things that are going to happen. Interest rates. Interest rates, in most cases, especially in Australia, are not in your control, okay? But you can put buffers in place to be able to compensate for that. And also, when you're looking to buy property, make sure you've got buffers in place in cash available, okay? Don't go down to the zero in your bank account and think, woohoo, I'm going to create a fast way to get wealthy and leverage more. Remember, every time you, you take on debt, you're taking from your tomorrow to bring it forward. Yes, that can be powerful, but it can also be detrimental as well. Okay? And just to remind everyone, equity is the difference between your asset value and your debt. And that amount there is what we call your equity. Okay? Now, there's a lot of people out there, like Gianni knows, the percentages and the data tells us that they have a, a shitload of equity, but aren't using it. Okay? And if you consider using it or should I be using it, this is the time when you need to speak to professionals. And probably myself is probably the first point of call to see if that is right for you or a financial advisor like me. And then once you've done that, someone like Gianni will then say, okay, well, what's the plan of attack? Based on this individual's circumstances with the financial advisor, what are we trying to achieve here? What's the smart goal? Are we trying to get this next property to be capital driven so that we get more equity so that we can get to the next one quicker? Or is this an income driven thing? Okay. Do we want to be in a position where it's income driven so that it can self-sufficient itself? Yeah. What are we trying to achieve here? And I know Gianni, we talk a lot about these decisions, but really that's the process that they need to kind of go down um, and happy for you to share more. No, yeah, definitely. Like you, you definitely need to work with somebody like yourself because although we can just say, yeah, all right, I'll invest in property, they need to be sort of goal-orientated, data-driven decisions. 
yes, we're investing in property, but what sort of investment strategy are we going to take? So even within property, there's a number of investment strategies that we can sort of take on board. Um, and then you also need to speak to your broker as well. So even though that you might have equity within your owner occupied property, there's a number of other factors that will determine how much you can actually borrow, such as your level of income, if you have any dependents, if you have any other debts, um, your age as well. So these are some of the other things that you'll need to consider before you can just sort of turn around and say, oh, look, I'll, I'll borrow, my house is worth a million dollars, I'll borrow 80%, here we go. So yeah, look, there's a number of steps that we need to sort of take to make sure that number one, we're on the right track, and number two, that you have the ability and, and capability to do so. All right. Well, that's been awesome deep diving into uh, using equity into purchase your home. And hopefully everyone's got, a, a, got some great insights into doing that. And to show that the the great tool of the equi of equity and how it can be used. And as always, this is general advice. So guys, if you need to learn about this, go seek professional advice because really it's very, very crucial and very, very valuable for you to seek that for your personal situation not just for the risks, but also for the strategy as well too, okay? So until next time, thanks Gianni and thanks everyone for watching and listening. Pleasure, thank you, mate. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you wanna learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.